there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome to another K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. By the way, K-Cups come in three sizes, single, double, and triple shots, or roughly one minute, five minutes, or 10 minutes in length. So if you don't have time to throw back an entire caffeinated career conversation, these K-Cup mini episodes of T4C can give you a quick caffeinated fix, whether you're on the go or you only have a few minutes to binge. So grab your mug and take a chug, because it's time for a caffeinated career double shot K-Cup with my guest, John Dedakis. You mentioned the fact that sometimes these stories stir us up emotionally without giving anything away in terms of the plot twists in your earlier books. You've made no secret of the fact that you have used writing as the way to deal with the loss that you've experienced in your life and the grief that you've experienced. How has writing helped you heal? Oh boy, that's a great question. And The thing that I've learned is that it helped even more than I thought because I didn't write to heal. The first novel I wrote, Fast Track, the very first scene is my sister's suicide. Carbon monoxide poisoning, 1980. And I never really saw a grief counselor during that time. I just, when I started turning to fiction, that was something from my own experience that I was able to use. And so the book isn't about her. It's not about her suicide. But I would say a subplot or a theme does deal with suicide. Moving on to uh, the other books, Bluff, Lark helps her mentor and boss, Lionel Stone, solve the mystery surrounding his daughter's death. And I wrote a scene where, you know, he's identifying the body of his daughter in the morgue. And this was before I'd lost my son and had to identify his body in the morgue. So maybe that was the the cosmos doing a little foreshadowing. I don't know, but uh, I've read it since, and it's, it's pretty powerful and real. Then fast forward to Bullet in the Chamber, that was about my son's accidental heroin overdose. The story is not about him, but I used the collateral damage that happens around grief. I used it as a subplot as part of Lark's life, but much of it was exactly what happened, you know, in our situation, uh, including the fact that he was found in a residential street off of uh, Nebraska or Utah Avenue in, in, in D.C., parked at the curb by a, a neighborhood watch sign, you know, irony of ironies. I was writing the novel as I was going through grief counseling at the Went Center for Loss and Healing in D.C. And of course, my my grief counselor is a woman or was a woman. We, we met for about two and a half years. She wanted to know why I write as a woman. Can't imagine why she would want to know that. And the thing I discovered, though, is that, and I didn't discover this until a year after I left grief counseling and was asked to write a speech or give a, a speech at a fundraiser for the grief counseling center. I didn't realize that I'm a deeper, more subconscious reason I write as a woman is to create the kind of woman I wish my sister had allowed herself to become. Because Lark Chadwick is not a victim. She doesn't let guys define who she is. She still falls for the bad boy. She still has feet of clay, impulse issues. You know, she's not perfect, 
but she has a degree of courage and outspokenness that I wish my sister had had and which exists and existed in the lives of the women that I met and knew at CNN and still know in, in many cases. So writing, and I feel very strongly about this, the better you know yourself as a person, the better you'll be as a writer because you'll be writing from a place of realism and authenticity. Well, thank you for sharing all of that, John. Thank you. In terms of the healing process, do you think it has been putting the words on paper and then getting reaction from your readers that has helped? Or has it been creating this alternative universe? Ooh, have you ever considered counseling? <laughs> that, that's a very good question. To a certain extent, yes, the writing has been a catharsis. But you know what I've discovered? It has nothing to do with writing. It has everything to do with crying. Because, and this is especially important for guys to hear, women get crying for the most part. It's an emotional safety valve. It lets off steam. It siphons off a lot of that emotional pressure that builds up. Guys are conditioned, and I'm making a general statement, and it's not fair to do, but if you're the kind of person who feels that it's you know weak to cry, that there's something wrong with you if you're crying, that you need to be strong. You know, all of those are admirable things. But what ends up happening is the grief doesn't go away. It festers and it corrodes. It's almost the same as uh, the difference in journalism between cynicism and skepticism. Cynicism corrodes. Skepticism keeps you on your edge because you know people are lying to you. So as far as grief is concerned in writing, I find that crying is really the most important way to heal. One person told me that really makes sense. Go toward the pain. All too often in our society, we're trying to anesthetize the pain through drugs, alcohol, whatever makes you feel good, work, house cleaning, you know, whatever it is that diverts you from it. It doesn't really deal with the grief. It postpones it. And it's still there and it's still festering and it's still going to come out. So I've just found that crying, it's even better than writing. I cry when I write sometimes. Oh my gosh, I can just imagine you must have like five boxes of tissue right. all around yeah, you. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But what an amazing point, John. Because you are going and creating these very poignant, painful storylines, mm -hmm. you are forcing yourself to face some of the most painful things that have happened to you in your life, and you're not wallpapering over it with other substances. Yeah. And the thing I have discovered, which is sort of to the point you made earlier, the question you asked, is that I've discovered that you don't have to scratch very deeply with anyone to find pain. And the, I mean, suicide and heroin addiction are probably two of the most stigmatized issues in our society. And the saving grace is I'm able to talk about it and I'm able to write about it. And being able to do that, I think, allows other people to realize that they're not alone. Thanks for tuning in to this K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. If you want to listen to our entire caffeinated career conversation, please check out the show notes for this episode. 
Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.